What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Valley coming at you with another One Question podcast that involves the Washington Wizards. Before we cannonball into that, just the reminder slash the please. Um, rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button to help us grow the channel. Like and comment on every video to help the algorithm love us back as well. Uh, it means a lot and helps the channel out a lot if you subscribe to YouTube. If you're listening to us via podcast player, subscribe to YouTube as well, and vice versa. If you're on YouTube, we're really trying to climb up the ratings on the Apple charts specifically, even Spotify. Head over there if you have access to those players. Um, rate us and review us on, on Apple Podcasts. That helps out a ton in the charts as well. As I mentioned at the top of this week, and I'll stop reiterating, we, we peaked, I think, at number 87 uh, in Apple's basketball podcast in the United States last week or the week before. I can't remember. Uh, and I would really like to build upon that. We did drop this past week. So it was two weeks ago uh, and it would help out a lot. And also subscribe to YouTube, join our discord link to that is in the podcast description and the YouTube description as well. And follow us on all the socials. They're either on the screen on YouTube or in the podcast and YouTube descriptions too. And so we cannonball into this question that I think I've talked about or danced around this podcast. Um, and then it sort of came to more of a topical head recently with Quentin Mayo from the, the Mayo Substack, and he's also over at BetMGM, and um, he's a podcast co-host for, for Blue Wire Pods as well, I believe, wrote um, essentially that the, the Wizards are confident that, they, that there's a package out there um, that they've given that has them feeling they're in this race for Donovan Mitchell and not far behind New York. And so there's a couple things here. This is not to say the Wizards have an offer that can beat the Knicks because they can't there's no team in the league I won't say no team there are teams I think if you envision the Pelicans or OKC that theoretically maybe even Toronto but they're not going to trade Scotty Barnes or Siakam for Mitchell but there might be one or two teams that theoretically could offer a more attractive package for Mitchell but they don't have the incentive to or the the outright desire right now to uh, the Wizards just flat out can't when you look at their asset structure but we're going to get in to that and the question becomes they've been linked to Donovan Mitchell before by Sham Sharania um, this is more of like a concrete link, though, where there's still no details as to what this package is that they're confident in, but at least um, Quentin Mayo doesn't dance around the fact that they believe they have a competitive offer. Could they be trying to frame this in a way that makes it seem like they're active and they're more involved? Whatever. But the question is, can do the Wizards have enough to entice teams into making a blockbuster trade? Or do they have enough assets to make a viable blockbuster trade package? This is not the same as saying it's Mitchell only. I will use him as an example throughout this just because he's the star who we know is available right now. And it's not to say that they can beat every other package that's out there. But just because teams can beat a certain package doesn't mean that they're going to. We, we've seen this time and again that, yes, teams that are trading stars don't typically get fleeced, but there are always other teams out there that could if they wanted to, for the most part, offer more. Um, there are, I don't want to call them rare instances, but uh, you know the Minnesota-Rudy Gobert deal, it's very rare that we look at a trade and say, oh, there was no team in the league that was going to or could have offered more. Uh, you even look at that with Brooklyn There was and James Harden. Uh, there was debate as to whether their package was the best, um, was something built around Ben Simmons back then from the Sixers, even better. Were there other teams that could have came in with picks, more picks or more let's say enticing picks long-term at the time, it seemed than they actually did. And so I'm not trying to frame this as, Oh, can the wizards outbid the Knicks for Donovan Mitchell? I do not think that they can. However, when everyone points to their inability to uh, 
cobble together a trade package. They harp on this first round pick that's owed to the Knicks and protected until Kingdom Cub. And so let's start there. The Wizards owe a 2023 first to the Knicks. It's lottery protected for next year. Then in 2024, it's top 12 protected. In 2025, it is top 10 protected. And then it's top nine or eight protected, I believe, in 2026. After that, if it is not conveyed, it turns into two seconds. If the Wizards stay the same, there's a fair chance that that pick never conveys. I would bet that it does because them giving Bradley Beal the no trade clause does imply some sort of an urgency, but there's a chance that it doesn't convey. However, that doesn't mean that they can't just trade a first round pick before 2028. Other people have framed it as 2029. That is inaccurate. Humbly, I'm not dunking on anyone here, um, but I do get a little bit annoyed when people on Twitter tell me I don't know what I'm talking about and they're just commenting with inaccuracies. Uh, they can structure a deal around conditional first round picks. The Sixers just did it when they got James Harden. And so it would be framed this way is the wizards could say they will trade. Let's use the jazz as an example, their 2025 pick to Utah. If their 2023 pick to the Knicks conveys, if it doesn't, instead of deferring, because you're trying in theory to maximize the number of picks you're giving out, you can just have that condition expire. It turns into a second round pick or, or nothing at all. And so, or just to set, let's say a protected second round pick. And so then you move on to the next one, which is 2027, you would include in there. You also make that conditional upon uh, your obligation to New York conveying. And if it doesn't convey by 2025 and they get it instead in 2026, it would expire, turn into two seconds again. And then you can trade your 2029 pick. In theory, yes. The, and I know that was convoluted, and I'll try and remember to put up on the screen or at least write in the comments on YouTube or wrap it up with this podcast what I think the Wizards' actual best offer would be. But they can only guarantee sending out one first-round pick as of now in 2028 or 2029. But if you're trading for Donovan Mitchell, if you're trading for another star, is it? it's a fair risk to take as the other team to say, hey, they're going to convey that first-round pick to the Knicks by 2024 at the latest. Or we think that they're going to be a playoff team after this trade, and so we believe that they're 25 pick will be able to convey and so are their 2027 pick so let's take their 2029 pick if it's on the table and they can also include their 2028 swap that is something that they can guarantee at this moment and so in theory any offer that the wizards give can be framed thusly a conditional 2025 first a conditional 2027 first their 2029 first outright and a 2028 first round swap outright those are things that you can offer and if you're a team like the Jazz, I do think you probably need to be prepared to say, okay, that 2025 pick, maybe it doesn't convey because you're only giving it one chance. You're betting that the Wizards are going to be a playoff team next season, that they're going to finish outside the lottery. That's a, you know, that is a gamble. But if you have Bradley Beal and you haven't obliterated your depth to get, let's say, Donovan Mitchell or another star, it's not an unreasonable gamble to think that you could get all three first or at least wind up with two and the swap. The question then becomes, what else are the Wizards offering? And so just in this theoretical world of how I'm viewing it, I think that you can count on the Wizards structuring a package where, yes, the picks will be conditional, but you're going to get a swap, guaranteed first-round pick, and then another, at least one other first round pick. That's how I'm looking at this is at minimum, because I would think that the wizards are going to finish 
if not outside the lottery next year, again, if they're acquiring a star, then that the top 12 protected pick would would convey in 2024. And so your 27 and 29 picks could have been trade would have would then convey. What else are they going to include? And they have a bunch of interesting players slash salary matching fodder. You could go the route of, well, we're going to need big money to, let's say it's for Donovan Mitchell to match. Could we dangle Kristaps Porzingis? He has two years left on his deal. It's unclear whether KP at two years and like 70 million-ish dollars is actually an asset. He has a player option on that final season, so he could be a free agent next summer. I would bet that he's not considered super desirable if you're a team like the Jazz or if there's another rebuilding team and for some reason enters the mix. Um, so, you know, if it's Toronto deciding to get rid of OG Ananobi for whatever reason and sort of divest, not, yeah, divest OG Ananobi into, I don't think they will. I'm just throwing out names out there. Or if you're the Wizards and for some reason want John Collins, I don't think KP is going to hold, uh, you know, value to uh, Atlanta. Um, I think you go the route of your step laddering your way via contracts. And a must include for me would be 21 year old Denny Avdia, who I already consider a very rock solid and underrated defender, just across a bunch of positions. When you look at the positional spectrum, he's able to switch onto or just cover individually. It's a lot higher than you'd think. I think there is really more to his offensive game to explore. I would like to see him run more pick and rolls. I would like to see his, and I've mentioned this with other players, kind of the speed at which he processes things in the half court um, accelerate a little bit more, but there's a physicality to his drives and the way he can use his shoulders around the basket. Uh, I do believe that uh, his shooting numbers from the outside, especially off the catch, are going to be better than we've seen thus far. And that this is someone who I can see developing into uh, a playmaking wing, and I have not ruled out a f- like an all-star or fringe all-star trajectory for him. And to have him with two years left on his rookie skill, rookie scale is an asset. It's just flat out an asset. Is it on the same level as RJ Barrett? No. Scotty Barnes? Absolutely not to me, but that's an asset. You also have Johnny Davis, who you just drafted. You have Daniel Gafford, who is on a very, going to be on a very reasonable three-year extension. That doesn't even kick in until 2023. So he's owed 1.9 million this coming season. And then his salary doesn't escalate until 2023, 2024, and he will never make more than $14.4 million on that three-year deal. Uh, He's not great for money-matching purposes, but just to have Gafford, Johnny Davis, and Denny Avdia as as raw pieces in this deal, um, that means something. I think you can include Corey Kispert as well. His wing defense was a little bit better than I expected last year. I'm curious to see if he can sort of find his bearings as the shooter he profiled as. That's just sort of another young flyer. To include, there's still Rui Hachimura. I'm not gonna lie, I still don't know what to make with Rui Hachimura. The positional versatility on defense is sort of tantalizing, and maybe some of the ISO stuff he's shown on on offense as well. Is there a a world, the reality in which he works really as a small ball five and can even be used as like this situational screener? Uh, he might be worth plumbing, but he's entering uh, you know the final year of his deal before restricted free agency. He's extension eligible as I record this. I'm sure teams will be interested in him and he does make $6.3 million. So that helps you get to whatever money you need. I just don't think, you know, he's going to be viewed. Whereas RJ Barrett extension eligible before he signed his extension with the Knicks, like he was considered more of an asset there. Even if you didn't think he was worth two or three first round picks, it's not the same for Rui Hachimura, who's just such an unknown uh, commodity on the basketball court right now, but you do have him. and, And I would throw him in the same vein as Corey Kispert, not quite afterthoughts, just these, Oh, that's, you know, these quaint, um, unknowable assets right now 
And then you have Gafford, Davis, and Avdia, who I would think are just more attractive. Uh, you can get higher money elsewhere as well. Will Barton, who I believe can be aggregated soon enough, and so can Monte Morris. Those are two players you could look into moving if you're confident in having DeLon Wright, and especially if you're trading Donovan Mitchell. You don't necessarily need both those guards on the team. Kyle Kuzma is entering the final year of his deal. He has a player option for 2023 and 2024. He makes $13 million. My point is, it's very easy for the Wizards to step ladder their way to superstar money. Uh, what does get tough is that so many of these contracts, like you can view Will Barton, not as an albatross because it's expiring, but you could be fine using him as salary ballast, I think. I, I think. Will Barton's offensive upside is there. I know he feels like the past two seasons, he's also dealt with injuries. They've been touch and go. But I think if you're the Wizards, you can say, yeah, viewing Will Barton as a salary anchor in perspective blockbuster trade talks, that's what we're going to do, and that's fine. It gets harder, a lot harder, to say the same for a Monte Morris, for a Kyle Kuzma, and even for a Rui Hachimura, just as a $6.3 million player, because if you trade him on his own, he's probably not going to net a first-round pick. And so that's just sort of why I'm viewing his salary as the primary utility. But if you're the Wizards, you're not going to want to move him just as this usable salary, I would hazard. Um, so it gets harder to move those guys because they actually add value to the deal. And if you're a team like Utah or a team that's suddenly rebuilding, um, maybe you don't want age 27 Kyle Kuzma going into his contract year. Maybe you don't have a need for Monte Morris, who could become a free agent, is a starting caliber guard, but can become a free agent himself after next season. He he, uh, No, wait, he has two more years left on his deal. So, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a bargain. But if you're the Wizards, that's a hell of a bargain. He's making less than the mid-level exception, and he could, should be your starting point guard right now. Um, does a team want him when he's not a youngster with all this upside? I believe that he is. I always think that he's older than I think he is. I'm glad I double-checked this. He is also age uh, 27. So both him and Kuzma are age 27. He did just turn 27, though. That is for uh, for Monte Morris. Wow, excuse me. That's where it gets difficult. But if you're a Jazz team, and again, I'm just using the Jazz's framework here. If you're a Jazz team that is only interested in picks, you could get, I would, I would guess, my belief is right now, it would not be like a super high one, that you could get a first-round pick for Kyle Kuzma. You could get a first-round pick for Monte Morris. Uh, I don't think you could get a first for Rui Hachimura. You're not going to get a first for Will Barton. Uh, could you get a first for Kristaps Porzingis? I definitely don't think so. Uh, probably not even get a first for Daniel Gafford. He's just more valuable as like, keep him. Just the money he's making, he could start at center for you, and he's young enough to where it's worth continuing to plumb. Johnny Davis, like, just drafted. Denny Avdia could definitely get you first-round pick on his own. But you, I found Utah, and just using them as example, I want Avdia. And so if the deal... If the Wizards all in deal, I'm not advocating for the Wizards to do this for Donovan Mitchell, but they could, in theory, go Will Barton, let's say Monte Morris, or Will Barton, Kyle Kuzma, and then you include Denny Avdia, Johnny Davis, Daniel Gafford. Let's just say those five players, and then the picks that I outlined. Is that not a viable, like a, a real offer? If you're Utah and you think that you're going to get at least two firsts from them, plus that swap, and you know that a third team will take Kuzma, and let's say you're sending Kuzma to a third team and getting a first-round pick. I'm just viewing Kuzma as the equivalent of a first-round pick here. Not a, not a high-end first-round pick, but I'm viewing him as the equivalent of a first-round pick here. Maybe you're asking for more, but Avdia, Davis, three, two conditional firsts, a swap, one actual first. Like, this is, this is a real package, and I, I will put it up 
on the screen. I'll screenshot and put it here and run it through one more time. But like, there's an offer, and this doesn't have to be the final details of it. Will Barton, Kyle Kuzma, or is Will Barton, Kyle Kuzma, and I would view Kuzma as like a future first round pick. The Jazz can reroute him, or do you find another team that would be interested in getting him and giving up a, a first to do it? So Will Barton, Kyle Kuzma, Denny Avdia, Johnny Davis, boom, you're at the money. Daniel Gafford's in there too. That's your fifth player. You're including a conditional 2025 first round pick, a conditional 2027 first round pick, a 2028 swap, and then a 2029 first round pick. And so in theory, like you could be giving up three firsts that would be unprotected, plus a swap, plus all this other stuff where Denny Avdia is a real prospect. Johnny Davis is a real complimentary prospect. Daniel Gafford is someone who can actually play. Maybe Utah's not high on him for the future and you do run into roster spot issues. But to me, that's a real offer. And there can be other moving parts like Hachimura and uh, Corey Kispert involved there too. It's it's It does feel like more of a hodgepodge and you have to be okay not getting a first round pick until 2025 at the absolute earliest. Again, could you trade Kuzma somewhere uh, that he's going to net you though? A first round pick that's imminent, a 2023 or 2024 first round pick. I mean, is there something to be worked out with Miami there? They desperately could use someone like him to play their four spot. Um, if you're the Wizards, maybe you're not okay giving him up because this is the second part of the question. Should the Wizards be chasing a blockbuster deal? My answer is just yes, flat out. You should chase it because you re-signed Bradley Beal to the Supermax, gave him the no trade clause. <clears throat> if you're serious about winning, he's age, this is going to be his age 29 season there's no like okay let's see what we have especially when you have to start thinking about well how much is kuzma going to cost next year and you ostensibly made that decision with kcp that you didn't want to uh pay his next deal so there's an urgency it's it's not even implicit it's it's conspicuous like it's there it's 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 material so i think you are obligated to do it is donovan mitchell that player no i i don't for them just because you have bradley beal already I'm not going to like the defense from him and Brett, um, Beal, even if you believe Mitchell's going to defend at a higher level. And if you do have both of them, you to me, you would need to figure out a way to keep Kuzma as part of this deal. Uh, if there's another star that comes on the market, yes, Kevin Durant, obviously, but they, they definitely don't have the horses to get into that race. Um, I would also note that some people have pointed out that they could get the Knicks to un, unbottle the protections on that 2023 first. I wouldn't necessarily rule it out if it's, involves the Wizards getting a different player. But if it's the Wizards going after Donovan Mitchell, the Knicks are absolutely not going to do that. It would just be bonkers for them to even try. So uh, not bonkers for the Wizards to try, but I would be shocked if the if the Knicks even considered doing that. Um, I, I don't know if Donovan Mitchell's that guy, though. I do think that the Wizards' offer is more interesting than people are crediting. I don't think it beats the Knicks. I don't even think it rivals the Knicks. I want to make that clear. I'm just talking about blockbuster trades in a vacuum. And there might be other avenues for them to explore improving their team. Things happen all the time in this league where a player we don't expect becomes available. Even though we thought Donovan Mitchell eventually wanted to get out of Utah. That was basically no knowledge. The expectation wasn't necessarily it was going to happen this summer. And if it was, a lot of people thought it was going to be because he requested it. Not that the Jazz were sort of the driving force behind this. Um, we didn't think Kevin Durant was going to deliver a trade demand and then rescind it. Unexpected shit availability happens all the time in this league. And I won't sit here and try and pinpoint, okay, well, who's next? Like, do things go sour in Portland? Like, in a year from now and it's Dame and you held on to your assets and you're the Wizards? Does that even make sense? Dame and Beal? No. Um, 
But my, my point being, like you you have these assets. You can go into the season with them. I'm not telling them to make the deal now. But if the Knicks are actually pulling out of this and the Jazz actually want to move Donovan Mitchell, I don't necessarily view that as settling. If you're Utah and you believe you're going to get at least two of those first, distant first from the Wizards. And here's what's also interesting about this is when you're trading Mitchell to the Knicks, you're doing so knowing that he's going to stay long-term. That, in theory, should bring down the value of their future first-round picks. Now, because of the Knicks' track record, where they, you know they've actually drafted quite well, especially on their not-primo you know, first-round picks, so it's not that you don't trust them to like make the right picks if they keep them. It's that you just don't trust them to be in the the right spot long-term if you're an outside team. Maybe fans do. That's fine. I think this regime has earned a lot of trust. There's still parts that I'm not completely sold on. I think that's fine to say. Knicks fans seem to get mad. Some Knicks fans seem to get mad at me when I'm just not like, this team's going to win 64 games as is, and they're they're perfect, that, that type of BS. But if you're an outside team, you're betting on the Knicks continuing down this historical path of sub-mediocrity. And so that's why those picks are attractive. But if we're talking about the Wizards, and let's use Donovan Mitchell again as the example, do we know Donovan Mitchell wants to be in Utah, uh, Washington long-term? This is not Miami or New York. And so the fact that he could leave when he becomes a free agent, if not before then, should they decide to trade him, but the fact that it would hover over him potentially leaving in 2025 free agency and knowing that two that you could have two firsts and a swap owed to you that are going to post-date that, there's, there's appeal there that I don't think we're considering. I would want to short Washington's future with Donovan Mitchell more than I would Toronto's future with Donovan Mitchell. Maybe I'd want to short Charlotte's future. The Hornets are kind of in a similar boat. By the way, I didn't. I don't think I'm going to do a one question on them just because I don't think their non-draft pick assets are intriguing. And what makes this a possibility to me for Washington is that I view Denny Avdia as that fringe blue chip type of prospect, and they have other interesting to serve serviceable youngsters already on the team coupled with salary matching players that are actually more valuable than just for their salary. And so my verdict here is I don't think the wizards can trade for Donovan Mitchell. If the Knicks are all in on Donovan Mitchell, if they actually have a hard line in the sand, if they're serious about pulling out, if Utah's not willing to wait, I don't expect anything I just said to come to fruition, but if all those things work out, I do think Washington independent of the Knicks has a viable offer and outside of the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes, I think they can be reasonably in the hunt depending on which teams are also going to be involved. Could Memphis come over the top for a star? That's not Donovan Mitchell. Yes. They're a team that could do it. Ditto for new Orleans. Ditto for the magic. But are those teams operating on the timeline where they're going to go in for a star? We see Memphis really trust their development. The Pelicans, I think need to see at least for a half season, what they have in the Zion CJ, Brandon Ingram core with Herb Jones and Trey Murphy and Dyson Daniels, if he's healthy and Jonas Valanciunas, Larry Nance Jr. There's just Jose Alvarado, a ton of depth there. What does Kyra Lewis Jr. do this season if he's healthy? And maybe this is just, you know, the Wizards using some of these assets or the allure of them to make medium-sized moves. I just feel like they have the ability to put together a package that affords them the opportunity to make a bigger swing if it becomes available. So I wouldn't rule out the Wizards being aggressive in blockbuster talks and then also being able to do something that profiles is more than hitting a double. I'm talking about they're not going to trade for, you know, 
Boyan Bogdanovich is like their crowning move or, or Harrison Barnes. Like it feels to me, my belief is that the assets they have available and the mechanisms through which they can get there, they would be able to pull off a move that is splashier than something on that level. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let me know. Please remember to subscribe to us on YouTube. That helps us out a ton. And also subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Join our Discord. The link to that is in the uh, descriptions of the pod and YouTube. And follow us on all the socials, which are also in the description. Like always, I leave you with a shout out to really the player that the Wizards should be ready to mortgage their future for. The one, the only, worth everything the Wizards have. And then some. Frank Nilakina.